at all. That was a joke, by the way, if you don't know me. Um, so we're, we're, it's so good to celebrate, and uh, forgive us if you weren't able to make the weekend away, but we really did want to celebrate it and for you to get a taste of it together. Uh, we're not waving it in front of you or gloating. Um, you're part of this family, but uh, it's so good to celebrate that. How wonderful to celebrate six baptisms of new believers. We have another four or five, I think, ready for the end of this month, which we praise God for as well. So, yeah, wonderful. Again, it's part of the new thing that we've been praying for and leaning into and believing God is, is doing. Turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, I, my fasting is not good enough to say 2 Corinthians chapter 8, but hopefully you can find it in a moment in your fasting Bibles. Those of you who speak Spanish, buenos dias, uh, 2 Corinthians. <laughs> it's the same passage. Um, Buona uh, Dimeniata, it's the same passage in Romanian. Bomgia, it's the same passage in Portuguese as well. Um, you'll find it somewhere. Uh, if you're speaking another language, it's after 1 Corinthians. Uh, I hope that helps you. We've got two gift days, uh, two sets of gift days now and again in October, this Sunday, next Sunday, two Sundays in October. We don't often teach on finance, um, but we want to take the opportunity to do that this morning. Uh, let me just read the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul writing, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did so, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he'd earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Lord Jesus, we, we, we can't speak about this subject without starting and finishing with this beautiful gospel. We come to you, Jesus, the one who left behind the riches of heaven, the one who came to earth, who made himself nothing, who died for us, even humbled himself through death, on the cross for our sakes, for our sins, so that we might come near to God. Now, God, thank you that the scriptures promise us that we now have been written into this inheritance. As we've been singing this morning, we've got a new name written down in glory. We're written into your plan. All the riches of Christ are ours, we can now say. We who had nothing, who are outside of God's people, now inherit all these amazing promises that we can say they're ours in Christ now. We have an inheritance not only now, but one that will never perish, spoil 
pearl or fade that's being kept in heaven for us on the day that you return. Thank you, Jesus, you're returning soon. We don't know when, but you're coming soon. The scriptures promise us that, Lord, and, and we'll be fully opened up into the fullness and the richness and the totally satisfying promises that you have made over our lives. Lord, thank you that this morning this small, uh, insignificant preaching is caught up in this big picture promise. And so we worship you for your gospel today. Amen. Amen. We could keep praying, but I th- oh, thank you for my drink, Noah. I've still got my weekend away uh, voice um, from shouting during the tug of war uh, and, the, and the dragons um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, wonderful. W- when we speak here, um, recognizing that we, you, if you've been around a while, you'll have often heard us talk and pray in this way. We have 150,000 people within five minutes drive of this building, most of whom don't know Jesus. We can fly directly from our little town of Crawley to almost 300 cities, most of which are around Europe. Most of those cities have very little in way of genuine New Testament church life and a deeply rooted foundation in the gospel. The re-evangelization of Europe is necessary again. Um, when we talk that way with, with, with our small, ordinary church, we recognize that we have a kingdom vision which vastly outweighs our resources. Praise God. Um, the only limit, however, is whether we believe that our generous God, who has everything we need to, fulfill, to help us fulfill our, his plans for us in our generation, the only limit is whether we believe him or not and whether we act with faith and obedience as we serve his kingdom purposes. So I think there are probably some discipleship issues at stake. I say that because it's true in my life, and therefore it's probably true in yours as well. I recognize every time I come to this area of discipleship, that is handling my finance, even using the word my there, um, I recognize I've got some worldly thinking to lose and some kingdom thinking to have shaped in me. As we come to these gift days, I just want to say again, as we look at the grace of God, we're not raising targets as fundraisers. You won't find a totalizer on this building for a roof fund or anything like that, although roofs need repairing. We're not fundraisers. We're opening our hearts to Jesus as worshippers for his great gift of grace to us. Please can I hear an amen? Because that is, that is kind of true. But it's so true that we need to get it. (laughs) Wow. So we're going to use this teaching that Paul writes to the Corinthians, his second letter, um, speaking to the Corinthians church and holding up for them this example of a very generous church uh, in Macedonia, the Philippian church, um, to help us grasp some principles on finance uh, and and discipleship. Paul's making a collection with his apostolic team as he goes around the churches that he's planted. If you read in Acts 11, there's a prophetic moment in the churches where they sense that there's going to be a famine that's particularly going to hit the Jerusalem church in that region. And so in response to the prophetic word from Acts 11, you find that all over these New Testament churches that are being planted across what we now call Turkey and Greece, that they begin to take a collection in advance ahead of this famine and this harvest that will come. That's what this passage is in connection with that we've just read. So just want to open that up and pull out some principles for a few minutes and then ask the question, what are we doing about it and why are we giving today? And then we'll respond in worship and, and communion and giving together. Let me just say as a kind of foundation, um, by the way, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? You're glad you've come now, aren't you? Wonderful. Everything in our world culture 
uh, that we face. And, and last week, um, at the weekend away, we launched our, our summer teaching that we'll come back to in two or three weeks, Metamorphosis, this transformation. We were in the world, now we're in Christ. And we began to look at some of the lies that the world speaks to us, but we're going to ground ourselves in the truths that the Word shapes us in, the Word of God. And one of the ways that, the, that our culture lies to us um, is with regard to generosity and financial giving. The world says it just seems completely pointless. It's totally upside down. Um, it's going to put an unnecessary, even as a believer, we can, I, I've said these things to myself. It's just going to put a strain on us right now. Lord, I'll give to you another time when things are better. God, don't you know we're in a, in a cost of living crisis right now? We could do with maybe having gift days in a, in a year or two. That's, that's kind of how the world shapes our, our thinking. Something needs to change in me as a disciple of Jesus, if that's how I'm thinking. I've got these two words um, in, in my head. Dave, Dave and Al often talk about this when they're training leaders in, in the global south. Uh, in fact, they're away training leaders in the global south even as we speak. They talk about contract versus grace. Contract versus grace. I think we see that in this passage. Let me explain what I mean. We're kind of wired by the lies the world tells us to think that if we give money, we should receive something back in return. That's how it works in our, in our kind of northern hemisphere, western mindset. Um, I've kind of paid for something with my money. Um, I've given a subscription or I've given into a charity. I, I, what do I get back? Maybe it's just good feelings, good kudos. Um, maybe it's something more than that. But it's, it's based on a system of merit, isn't it? That's how, that's how the whole thing works. The problem is... It's completely at odds with the gospel, with the good news of, of Jesus Christ. It's thinking that, that for us, if we carry it through as believers, is rooted in the law, in the old ways. And we, we don't relate to God that way anymore. We don't relate to one another through the law any longer. The scriptures tell us Christ has redeemed us from the law. Um, he's completely fulfilled the law. He's brought us into an altogether more fruitful way of living together in unity and community, loving one another, uh, of serving and of giving. Our finances are a part of that as well. So we're talking about grace, not contracts. We're rooted in the promises of God's love and favor to us in his son Jesus. Verse 9, we read it. For you know, you know, church, don't you? Maybe you don't know. Let me tell you for the first time today. You can know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. So that you and I through his poverty might become rich. Friends, this is the grace of God. And when we begin to grasp it, even in a childlike way, it, it begins to produce in us a wonderful fruit that grows in our lives of serving and selfless giving. It's motivated by living to serve and love Jesus and wanting to serve others that Jesus loves and beginning to see the big picture that is way beyond my needs. Contract or grace. In, in this church, we're under the grace of God. That's how we're going to live. That's how we're going to apply ourselves and apply the scriptures. It's not about whether we're wealthy or not. Actually, you, you may feel like you don't have much money right now. We have people here who live on next to nothing. But the reality is if we live in the West, in, in world terms, we're probably in the top 2 or 3% of the richest people on the planet. You may not have parked your Bugatti Veyron in the back car park this morning next to mine. Um, but... Uh, we don't preach a prosperity gospel either, do we, Danny? That's good news. Um, but whatever you drive, whatever kind of house you live in, 
whether you're struggling to pay the rent or not, the grace of God applies to us. Generosity does not depend on the amount of money I have in my bank account. I've seen generous disciples in rich churches, and praise God, I've seen generous disciples in poor churches with nothing. In fact, here's the challenge. I've often seen more generosity in believers uh, in, in very poor churches, our friends in Zambia, in difficult parts of the world, in Romanian gypsy churches. I've often seen more self-giving love and self-sacrificial living uh, out the grace of God in Jesus Christ in those communities. Giving and serving generously comes out of a right relationship with Jesus and an understanding of the God who's given us everything in his son. Praise God. Look at verse 2 here. Um, Out of the most severe trial, what do you expect to follow in that sentence? I've told the story before here when we were approaching a gift day for buying a building in our previous church. And we'd saved up with our kids that were much younger then for about two years. So we had something to bring to this gift day. That week, our car died dramatically to the point where it would no longer be worth repairing. Out of, that for us was a severe trial. What do we do in those moments? How do we finish the sentence that Paul writes to the Macedonians? Out of our severe trial, we said, hey God, you know, we need a car. We'll, we'll put the money we've saved for the gift days into that uh, and we'll, we'll give to you another time. Is, is that how the Macedonians respond? Praise God they don't. Do you know what? That passage affected my kids and me and Kaz as adults and parents at the time because it goes on to say, out of their severe trial, they're overflowing Anyone got it there? The overflowing joy welled up in rich generosity. If you're reading that for the first time with a Western cultural mindset, that is a profoundly uh, surprising end to the sentence, isn't it? I'm under a severe trial right now. Here is what all the logic tells me to do. And, And by the way, we believe in good, wise stewardship of our money. But the Word of God says, out of my severe trial, I'm going to well up in even richer generosity. I won't tell you the whole story now, but, but because of the promptings of my children in this passage, we, we, we uh, agreed before God to give the money we'd saved and trust him for a new car. Two days later, without telling anyone, we had a new car and we were able to give more in the gift days because people had given us over and above what we'd already saved up over two years. Praise God. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that deserves a thank you to, to Jesus. It was, uh, I think it was a Nissan Serena as well. I love that car with a big slidey door and a really loud diesel engine. It wouldn't go over 45 miles an hour with the wind blowing. Uh, but that was God's gift to us, that car, um, in spite of their circumstances. So, yeah, we, 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 we faced Abraham in Romans 4. It says he faced the facts when he wasn't able to have children, but he did not waver in unbelief regarding the promises of God. Okay, so severe trials. Yeah, we face the facts. We're in an era of cutbacks and reassessments, but we're going to overflow in, in generosity and joy. This is, this is kingdom culture in all its upside-down splendor for us. They've understood the gospel, and they're letting it shape them. It's not surface-level Western Christianity. They, they've got it deeply rooted in their hearts. They're living for something greater, someone greater. They're living for a true and lasting inheritance that will never perish and so they can trust God in the here and now and be generous with their finances and their attitudes, even though their circumstances are very hard. That's what happens, brothers and sisters, when we come out from under the law and begin to live out of grace. We get to build the kingdom together. We've begun to catch it when we can say like the Macedonians did here in verse 4. It says, "They, they urgently pleaded with us. 
for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. I've not had anyone running to me. I don't think Justin, Danny, as other elders uh, have had people running to him saying, please, when can I give extra in the gift days? I I don't think, I've I've not been aware of people urgently pleading with us. I've not been aware of that spirit in my own spirit. And yet that's how it was for the Macedonians, Paul says. We want to share more in our service to God's people. That's exactly what we're saying, actually, right now, aren't we? That's why we, in faith we have these gift days. We're training ourselves in saying we want to be a kingdom people. We want to be a grace-fueled people. So we're saying, Lord, this is hard. This is difficult. This goes against every grain that is ingrained in us. But we plead with you for the privilege of giving more. Will you prove these kingdom principles in our lives? We pray, Lord Jesus, as we take you at your word and worship you for your grace afresh over our lives. Verse 5, they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then for us, and then to us. This is generosity rooted in worship. It's not motivated by loyalty to Paul or to Titus, the names that are in this passage, to Paul's apostolic team. It's not a response to the need even. There's going to be a famine for us. It's not loyalty to leadership or it's because we're part of new ground and they've said, please have gift days. It's not because of a fundraising need for the building. Of course, there are needs. We're going to share with you in a moment four important needs that the Lord has put on our heart as a local church that we're going to give into. But as we said earlier, we are not fundraisers here. We are worshipers. This is not a teaching that leads us into targets and totalizers. If it does, we've entirely missed the grace of God on our rush to sort out our finances. This is a joyful response to the God who first loved us. Uh, it's a response to him, and it's a, it's a yes and amen to our partnership on his mission. This is, this is not a sermon about giving today, really. It's a sermon about the grace of God, and it's a sermon about worship. Our giving is a part of our worship. If you think your, giving is, uh, your worship is about singing songs, beautiful. You've caught a tiny, narrow bandwidth of what worship is. Worship is our whole lives of worship to the Lord. And for us in the West, hey... That includes what I've got in my pocket or on my iPhone, Apple Pay or anything else that I use with my finances. That's why money's about discipleship. Verse 9 again, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a generous response of worship to the generosity of God for his, in response to his completely uh, uh, wonderful gift of grace that is received by us who are totally undeserving of it. It's obedience, it's love. It's worship wrapped up in our response. Alan Scott um, says, we don't worship for an outcome. We worship as an offering. Isn't that good? Again, that's, that's the kind of contract versus grace thing. Oh, Lord, I've really worshipped you in my life this week. I've really given extra in the gift days. I really sang my heart out this morning. I even, I even sang in tongues at the end of one of the worship songs. Beautiful. Keep growing in the grace of God and in the gifts of God. But we don't worship to receive something for an outcome. We just worship as an offering. Give you my life, Lord. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my all. I live for you alone. I was going to sing that then, but I'm, I'm moving on. Um, but what a beautiful old song. Wow. Verse 1, we wanted to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. That word grace pops up. It, it bookends, start and finish of the part of the passage we've read today. We wanted to know about the grace of God. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not, again, surface knowledge 
or just an intellectual tick. Oh, yeah, we, we've learned something about the grace of God. I want you to know. I want you to carry in your hearts. I want you to be fundamentally transformed, turned upside down, taken out from the, the totally renewed in your mind and your thinking and your attitudes and therefore your actions and your obedience from the old ways of the world. That's what repentance does. And to come into, to really know and carry and live out the grace of God in your actions and your attitudes. I want you to know the grace of God, Paul says. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How wonderful. Wow. When, when, we, when we say that we ask people, Tony was praying with me earlier before uh, the meeting. He said, uh, uh, oh God, may there be responses to the gospel today. Joe, giving is a response to the gospel. And I know what Tony means by that, and we're praying for that too, that there may be, maybe there's one or two here that are not yet followers of Jesus. Wouldn't it be wonderful if on a Sunday when we're teaching about finance, you give your life to Jesus? That's because teaching about finance isn't really teaching about finance. It's about coming into the grace of God. And then my money and my attitudes to that come into line with everything else that's been transformed by first giving lordship of my life to Jesus Christ. Maybe there's someone here who needs to get born again in that way today. I love what verse 7 says as well. And let's just not miss this before we uh, move to some practicals. Uh, where is verse 7? Ah, oh, here we are. It's just at the bottom of my page. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. There's the word grace again, but it's a different context here. Do you know that, that giving is a response of obedience and worship, as we've been saying? But Giving and generosity is also a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are given to believers from the Lord. We all receive spiritual gifts. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, when we're born again, we receive gifts of the Spirit. In our kinds of churches, we tend to focus on the more kind of evident ones that are fruitful in Sunday mornings that build up the church. Prophecy, what I'm doing now, the Bible says, is a spiritual gift of preaching and teaching. Prophecy, um, speaking in tongues or languages, um, the interpreting of tongues, gifts of discernment, wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of healing they're all gifts of the spirit that maybe more of us will be familiar with but Paul says here there's a grace gift of giving as well that's good now we can all give um, but some are given a, a special measure a higher measure a greater measure uh, a grace gift of giving Paul says in Romans 12 verse 8 where he's speaking about some uh, of the spiritual gifts that are given to the church gifts like leadership he says if your gift is leadership then govern diligently lead diligently he says also in Romans 12 8 if your gift is giving then give anyone know the word generously there's the word well done well we spoke it over ourselves there we are you said it with a smile as well so there's a spiritual gift we all get to give regularly many give monthly normally part of our regular giving to the lord and into the local church but i believe this passage teaches there's also a greater measure of a grace gift again it's not about contracts or targets it's about the grace of god don't you know the grace of god paul says and we can excel in this grace of giving like the Macedonians. This church over the years has been a hugely generous church. As I look at the stories of generosity just in our 10 years here now almost. Never mind the, the, the three decades that went before. Even in the buying of this building that we run, there's, there's been a huge track record and evidence of overflowing, joyful generosity. The grace of giving, the spiritual gift of giving has been evident here. Church, we want to carry on with that into the next generation because the kingdom mission of Jesus Christ is at stake into the 2020s and 2030s. We can ask God for an increased measure of grace 
in this. Just as we can say, God, increase our prophetic gift. God, increase our gifts of healing. I believe we can pray, God, increase our gifts of giving and generosity as well. Stir our hearts as worshippers. Flood us with your spirits that we might draw something from your abundance. Just lay hands on yourself again. Maybe you want to pray with me in this way. Oh, Lord, will you increase the... Why don't you just ask the Lord in your own words. Lord, increase the grace for giving in me, please, in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Not dependent on my circumstances, but a grace gift from you. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Wow. I'm just going to move on uh, because I want us to hear one or two stories, pray and respond together. Giving is part of our life of obedience to Jesus. It's not just a kind of, I feel like it, got myself worked up in worship and somehow some extra notes fell out of my wallet into the collection plate. Um, That's why they get us dancing. It all falls out of my pocket and there's no turning back. It's just embarrassing. No, it, it begins with obedience. I'm making Jesus Lord of my life. I take a step of obedience as we're seeing right now of, of baptism, the foolishness of baptism, getting baptized in water. Take a step of obedience in receiving the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Then I'm taking every day, every moment, steps of obedience. I'm rebelling against the culture and the pressure of the world to say, today I'm going to live for obedience to Jesus. I'm going to trust him for my life, every ambition, for all the needs that he's promised. I'm even going to trust him for my finance. That's where giving comes from. For for me, I I learned as a young man, I had a wonderful example from my my parents and my grandparents about about giving. And and I I started giving, this is not to boast, um, but maybe it helps one or two here, maybe even some older teenagers and young people. I started giving as as soon as I earned anything. I remember giving from my paper round. I got four pounds a week for delivering newspapers seven days a week. How about that? Four pounds a week. When I left after four years doing that, Sun, rain, and shine, they gave me a Mars bar as a bonus. That's good, isn't it? Contract or grace? <laughs> oh, thank you for the grace of God. So much more than a Mars bar. Uh, and so I, I just began giving as soon as I was able to. When our kids were very young, we, we tried to model and teach them and involve them and talk about them in the process. When we approached days like today, we would pray with them and talk with them. Uh, as young children, as a family, we try and prepare together. Please, if you're parents of young children or teenagers, don't just assume that they'll get this, that it will happen. This is another area of your lives where you need to model something in discipleship of generosity, of attitude. Uh, it's words as well, what you speak at home, the way you speak generously about others. It's really important. Otherwise, if we just assume it will happen, I'll tell you the only thing you can assume, the world's culture will shape our kids. We're not going to allow that to happen. We're going to make disciples at home. And so we used to say to our kids, even when they had like 20 pence pocket money, this was like, you know, the, the late 90s, early 2000s. So, you know, don't call me stingy. There was a lot of money then. 20 pence, 50 pence, I don't know. Um, and uh, what would they say? We'd say, hey, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some. I'm going to save some. I'm going to give some to Jesus. That's what they would say. And they'd put it in their piggy bank, um, a little ceramic piggy bank. Uh, and that's what they would do. These were tiny amounts. They, the amounts really didn't matter, but they were done joyfully and faithfully. When we had gift days like this, our kids and others in the church as well would come down to the front and they were bunging some of the small coins that they'd collected in their piggy banks along with the bigger checks that us adults were writing and, and putting into the kind of heap offering at the front. Tiny amounts done joyfully 
with trust and love for Jesus produce big discipleship foundations. Let me hear an amen to that. And our money and our generosity, they, they just line up with our daily decision to follow Jesus. And we have to break this, this materialism idol. That's what it is. It's an idol in my life and your life. It's an old-fashioned Bible word, idolatry. But I think most of the time for us as believers in Jesus, we break the first couple of commandments. Probably break God's heart as well. First commandment, you'll have no other gods before me. Second commandment, don't make for yourself an idol. You could sit here this morning and say, well, I haven't made a little, little statue in the corner of my front room. No, but you've missed the amazing opportunity to trust God with your finance. You've missed the chance to allow him to show you his care and his provision through money by just taking things into your own hands and saying, God, I can't trust you this far. I'll only trust you so far. And, and, and so we don't put God first. And so we begin to make an idol of our materialism and our finance. I trust in myself, in my own strength, in my own ability to provide, in my own paycheck, in, in storing up my own pension and investments. They're all really important things. And it's wise stewardship if God has given you grace to do that. They're all good things, but we've missed it when we refuse to put God first. And it's a challenge for some of us as disciples today. 2 Corinthians 8, 11 to 13, as he goes on, he speaks about proportionate giving. You can read that for yourself at home. We don't ask people to give beyond what they're able to. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul comes back to these themes. He says, God loves a cheerful giver. So giving is considered, it's prayerful, it's proportionate. Um, 1 Timothy 6, 18, Paul says to Timothy, just, just wince for a moment if, uh, like me, uh, and like the rest of us in the Western Hemisphere, we are those who are rich in the world. Command those who are rich to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Proportionate giving means that there are times where those of us who are able to are able to give way and above, over and above um, what we normally would do. These are kingdom principles. They're not quotas or targets. But as Paul teaches wisely here, it's giving out of what we have generously, sacrificially, as worshippers. We don't teach on tithing in our church. Tithing is part of the old covenant, the old testament, the kind of the 10% of your first fruits to the Lord. If you're growing grain or breeding pigeons or bringing fruit or whatever it is that you've made in the old covenant in the old days, we don't teach that. We've said already that we've, uh, does anyone here breed pigeons? Okay, well that's fine. You don't need to tithe them. Um, We've said that the law has been fulfilled by Jesus. It's been superseded by this greater generosity of the grace of God that's opened up through Jesus Christ. Our problem is, as pastors, uh, we often want to teach tithing because it means we can get 10% out of the people. But if you're going to preach, get 10% out of the people, then you've got to teach the rest of the old covenant law as well. And that's going to be very difficult. And, of course, we've missed the whole point of the gospel because Christ Jesus came to fulfill the law. So we don't teach tithing. We teach this generosity over and above. However, I do believe from when I was a young man and still today, the principle of tithing, of a, a proportion that, that is me giving to God of my first and my best is a great place to start as I steward my finances. Again, let me wrap up here just by telling you, again, this is just how we work. It's not how you have to work at all, but it's worked for us over the years. We've operated this way when we've had very little and operated in times of plenty this way. 
we, we felt it was important never to wait till the end of the month to see what we've got left over to put something into the offering. We made a decision to trust God from payday. The first, the first money that comes out of our bank account is going to be our giving and our worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we'll trust him for everything else that follows in the rest of the month. That's how we've worked. And then we've said, Lord, can you show us some opportunities as and when we're able and it's on your heart for us to be generous over and above that which we've given? Because we're not under law or under obligation. So sometimes we have the privilege of being able to give away a little bit more money to someone into a situation or a circumstance. Sometimes we're, we're trying to put some aside over a number of months or even years for days like today uh, and, and next Sunday. Other times maybe it's just that we are able to bless someone or, or, or have more people for hospitality and food during that month. What we're praying though, church, is that all of us, whatever our circumstances, in accordance with the proportion that God has blessed us with, that we might excel in this grace of giving. I'm just going to pray for a moment, then we'll do some very brief practicals. Lord, maybe you want to repent with me on, that, on this. Lord, if there's any idolatry in our lives, this strong word, Lord, we repent of idolatry. If you're aware of that, you, you need to tell the Lord that now I can't repent for you. <laughs> I, I've, I've put my money, for, I've put my security in, in what I can do with my money and my finance. I've, I've not fully trusted you, Lord Jesus. I've said you're Lord of my life, but I haven't really made you Lord of my life in this area. Only you know that in your heart. Come on, I want you to know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. As you repent this morning and say, God, help me to trust you. May the grace of God flood our hearts, our minds our attitudes. Lord, rescue us from being a Western people that have one foot in the new covenant and one foot in the old covenant. That's such an uncomfortable place to live and we miss all the joy of your generosity and in your gospel as well. Release us, Lord, to serve you and to serve your kingdom with our finance. Release us, Lord, to be worshippers, not fundraisers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here, just briefly, how it works, we, we, um, most UK churches are set up as charities. We have a team of elders that lead, is responsible for leading the church in accordance with the scriptures, but we work very closely with a team of trustees that, that look after our finances properly and in an accountable way, that work with the eldership team and the staff leadership team to make sure that our finances are stewarded well. All, that the, all the finance that we have that enables us to function as a New Testament church, to love Crawley, to serve Crawley, to do all our stuff with the poor across Crawley, all the money that we give away, all the money that we give into our new ground family of churches, everything that pays our staff salaries, salaries like mine, all of our ministries, um, it, it, it all comes from our regular church giving from worshippers like you and me. There's not a denomination. There are no grants. Um, it, it's all out of this New Testament attitude that we've spoken about this morning of generous discipleship that puts Jesus first in our finances uh, and runs after his vision. We do run this building as a, a great community center and a commercial cafe, and we have a staff team that run that as well. It's part of our church vision to reach the community and to be a kind of first step doorway into the community. And our thrill and privilege is that the, the, the finance from the, the community center business enables us to pay the mortgage on this building so that that burden isn't on the church. Everything else comes from our giving. And so, in our gift days this year, we've said, are you able just to put the graphic up for us, Ben? Thank you so much. There are four areas we're asking you to give and pray into. 
Uh, firstly, we're praying into what, what we've been calling our kind of staff stretch. This church is growing. Um, and we have a vision to grow more in our diversity as we reach Crawley and beyond into the 2030s. We've been talking and praying a lot about that over the last year, and we recognize we need to continue to grow and invest in our staff team. Um, part of that is that we're looking to identify and add in a youth pastor um, onto the staff team. We, we believe that right now is the point to invest in a youth pastor and grow discipleship in our kids and our teens. It's too urgent to leave it another year, another year or two. Uh, we can't wait. We have an amazing volunteer team. We're going to hear from Malcolm and Nick in a sec as they help us to pray uh, into this. But prophetically and urgently, we want to start shaping that work now with a full-time staff member. So something beautiful grows into the 2030s with regard to strong discipleship of children and teenagers. It's been hard so far because we've not been able to yet find the right person. And so we just wanted to share that with you honestly and openly today that we are praying. Will you continue to pray with us? Uh, though the pastor is not on the staff yet, we want to be ready in our stewardship so that we can pay such a person as and when we're able to recruit them. And so a gift day like today is important. Along with that, we budgeted this year to pay Danny properly as a pastor. Danny's part of the, the, the staff team uh, with me, with Kaz part-time, with Stu in his dual role between running the, uh, um, the leadership of the strategic leadership of the business and and helping us in the church team uh, as well. And so we, we've rightly brought Danny up to a proper salary. That's a stretch for us this year. We're giving into that and into his ministry. And at the same time, we've got a staff team that run our building and all the other members of staff that just like you and your other jobs all need regular uplifts, um, living wage and above uh, that we are going for um, so that we can continue to bless and honor and pay our hardworking staff well. We're, we have a staff stretch this year, and so in faith, we're giving into that area. Malcolm Nick, can you just help us pray and just share a couple of thoughts about Youth Pastor? And then I'll quickly do two others before we respond in worship and giving and communion. Yeah, they, they are available for those that have already um, ordered them. Yeah, anyway, no, just adverts. <laughs> we'll be all right. Um, for, first thing, just uh, Steve asked us just to share a little bit about some of the stuff that's already going on. Um, just a shout out for New Day. Okay, if you don't know what New Day is, then you need to come and find one of the young people, one of the team, um, to find out what New Day is, and you can be praying into that. It's like thousands of young people hearing the gospel for five days-ish um, under canvas. It's amazing. It's the most amazing thing, and we're taking a whole bunch there. Uh, please pray for us. That'd be amazing. Um, 11s to 14s, what's going on at the moment is they're out, and they're having the same teaching. They're looking at the same stuff as we are in here. They're meeting every week on a Sunday. Really just amazing team that are doing that. Um, solid. Uh, so um, we're meeting on Fridays, a lot of time to chill and relax and talk. But also it, it gives opportunity to hear stories. We've had visitors um, over the last um, months, uh, people from within the church giving their testimony. It's real life, and we're able to share that and the time uh, with the young people. So it's amazing. Please remember, though, it's a volunteer team, as Steve said, and we need your support and prayer and encouragement. And it's why we are really looking for a youth pastor, someone to help steer and guide us and lead us. That'd be really cool. Yeah, we've got an amazing team, John, um, Jean, and, and Callum, um, 
because we're only there every other Friday night, um, but they really hold it together. So, um, so just following on from those things that are happening with um, Solid um, on uh, Sundays, <laughs> um, Solid and 412, what we do um, once a month is we just have hot, hot chocolate after the service and chat about the service and pray. And actually we're doing that this Sunday, so after the service, come find us for hot chocolate. Um, solid and 412. Um, yeah, you're too old. Sorry, mate. Um, and then um, once a month, we are doing... I just need you to hold that book, the top one. Um, we are doing with um, Solid and 412, which we've only done um, for a couple of months, um, is we're going through God is, so I am. So we've done... I've got to remember this now. <laughs> God is patient, so I am forgiven. And God, no, God, God is, is just, so I am forgiven. God is patient, um, so I am enough. Um, and so we're doing that. So um, when we meet, we have these flyers um, that we go through together. There's lots of group chats. And then at the end of it, we do a little takeaway cup um, at the back um, just to say, okay, so what am I going to take into this week knowing that I'm enough um, how is that going to affect my life and so that's what we're doing with solid and 412 and then 412 um, we're named after 1 Timothy 4 verse 12 which is that awesome verse about don't let anyone look down on you because you're young and set an example to the believers in this that and the other you can look it up but um, it's it's that's that's how oh, oh yeah like yeah you know what I mean. You get the gist. Um, so um, our, our heart for 412 is, um, for those in sixth form up to uni, is that these guys are setting an example to the rest of the church. And um, we're learning together. <laughs> I learn loads from these guys. They're amazing. And so we meet um, every fortnight on a Wednesday in Revive Cafe in the evening, and we're doing a book called Incomparable. We've been doing it for ages, and we haven't got very far. Um, Young people are laughing, sorry. Um, yeah, so it's going to take us a while to get through it. But it, it's good. We do a few games that are related to the thing. We did God is Light the other week and had games with torches. And, yeah, it was slightly chaotic. And um, the last couple of weeks when we've met, we've just been chilled out because they've got loads on at college and uni at the moment. So um, we've just been taking time out. So we really need... A youth pastor. <laughs> it's full on, and we really need a youth pastor, so I'm just going to pray. Lord, we, we just thank you for the young people of this church. We love them. They are precious to you, and they are precious to us. They are part of this family. Um, we just, Lord, we love them, and we want to see them go on deeper and further in you. Lord, we want to see these young people grow with a passion that they set an example to us in the way that they conduct themselves, in their speech, in the way that they live their lives, in their worship. Lord, we want young people who are on fire for you. Um, we pray, Holy Spirit, over our young people. Would you come and fill them afresh, encourage them, take them on deeper and further. Lord, we want to see young people who grow up to be a rising generation who are full of the Holy Spirit, who are walking with you, who hear from you, and Lord, who are used by you. We want these young people to be so on fire for you, Lord, that it challenges our hearts. And Lord, we thank you for them, and we just pray your blessing over them and 
Lord, we, we just ask you, Father God, to lead us to the right youth pastor. Lord, I pray that person um, would be made really clear to the leadership of this church. Lord, we pray for someone who is passionate about young people, but they're also passionate about you with a heart, Lord, to go on deeper and further. Lord, I pray for someone who would, um, as it were, propel our youth ministry into new levels, to new heights. Lord God, I pray that you would come by your spirit and help us as a church to have fresh passion uh, for our young people. But also I just pray for a right person to come to lead us, to grow the team, to encourage the team, but also uh, to minister to our young people to a new level, a new depth. Lord God, we're praying that you would do something wonderful and tangible through the youth work of this church. In Jesus' name. Amen. We really honour our youth team uh, and uh, we're praying and stretching in these gift days. The salary stretch is a really important part of what we're going for and what we're giving into. But also uh, growing something into the 2030s is the development of this building and also the development of leaders, uh, training, equipping leaders who will strengthen a growing church here, but some that will send to plant other churches, go strengthen other churches, or, or just live out great leadership gifting that is given to them by the grace of God in their workplaces, in their entrepreneurialism, in their businesses, that kind of thing. Um, Stu, Danny, I, I've taken too much time, but can you just give us a, a, a minute each on, the, on... No? You sure? Have I said enough about leadership development for now? We'll pick some of that up next week. Stu, just a couple of things about the building and why we're developing that into the 2030s. Thanks, mate. Sorry, I'll be quick. So, um, God has blessed us with a building here, um, an amazing building in the Carrow Centre. Um, if you don't know the story of how we got this building, it's definitely worth speaking to someone who was around at the time, because it's all about God's grace. It's named the Kara Center, which is Greek for grace. Um, so definitely listen to that story. Um, and we've got to be good stewards of this building. You know, God's given it to us. We've got to look after it, yeah? So at the end of last year, we made a difficult decision um, to stop using the old prefab out there. Uh, it got to a point where Jungle Tops were using it during the week, and Seedling was using it on a Sunday, but it was becoming a bit of a money pit, and it's come to the end of its life. It's probably done 10 years more than we ever thought it would. So we made a tough decision to come out of there and we relocated their ministries into the building. Uh, this coupled with the fact that we need to renovate our tired toilets um, and look at how we create a large meeting space for our growing church, we decided to explore what it would look like to start a building project. So what have we done? So since then, at the beginning of the year, we commissioned a guy called Tim Hoskins of Turner Hoskins Architects to start carrying out a feasibility study, uh, looking at what, possible, what could be possible in the space we've got what sort of solutions they would suggest, and ultimately how much it's going to cost. So during this process, Tim suggested we carry out a full building asbestos survey, a measured survey of the toilets, including drainage routes, as some of these were unknown. Uh, both of these would help shape us going forward. Uh, so this work's now been done, um, and we're now in the process of working with Tim to redesign the, redesign the toilets with the view of completing this work later this year. As with any building, asbestos, any building of this age, asbestos is going to be an issue, but the good news is there's no asbestos in the prefab. <laughs> so happy days. For now, we've chosen to hide the dilapidated prefab and erect some hoarding around it. Um, the prefab itself is likely to stay there until we are at a point where we're ready to build, because um, having a building in situ will help us with any future planning permissions. But we can't leave the prefab like that forever. We can't leave it there to rot. Um, so we need to move forward on some sort of building project. So next, we've, we are um, in a place where we're looking to get, pull together some people to create a steering group to help us shape the next steps. 
This will consist of people like an elder, a trustee, and hopefully some of you guys. We particularly um, welcome anyone who's got any SEALs experience uh, in the building or construction industry, or anyone who's managed a building before. Um, if that's you, come and speak to me afterwards, or speak to Steve. But back to the gift day, we know that even starting this process is costly. Surveys, drawings, planning advice, quantitative surveyors, architects, none of them are cheap. <laughs> Toilet seats, yeah, exactly. Um, and we're hoping together we can pull together what we call a fighting fund that will enable us to start this process well, ensure that we have a building that's fit for purpose for the church today, but also for the next generation and the generation after that. Brilliant. Thank you. Brilliant. Stay, stay here, I love how we can teach on the grace of God and generosity and go to toilet seats and real practicals on giving and, and then move into communion. It's all part of our worship. It's all part of our worship of Jesus and building a church and growing disciples into the next generation. Stu, just give us some, uh, for, forgive me, it's my fault, we've, we've just gone a little over our, our time. I do want us to respond with communion together, uh, but Stu, just give us some practicals on how we can give and participate in this. Great. Thank you. That's a slide. Great. So there's three main ways you can give. Um, the top one being online by card, and there's a website address there, lovecrawley.co.uk forward slash gift23. Other way is by bank transfer, and there's the bank details on there. Please use this bank account. The church has got two bank accounts, but this is the one we'd like the gift money to go into, please. Or thirdly, you can come and put cash or check in the offering basket. There's one at the front this morning, and there's one at the back, or you can do it at any point during the week, drop it into the, uh, to the office. If you're doing that, please put your name on things, because we can claim gift aid on it. And if you can give by bank transfer, that is the best way, because the church will get 100% of your donation. If we do it through the website via card or cash or check, we pay a fee on all of them transactions. So if you can do it by uh, bank transfer, that would be our preference, please. So in a minute, we're going to have communion, and there'll be an opportunity for a giving moment. And some of you may come forward and want to put something in the basket, or some of you want to get out your phone and do that bank transfer. I'll leave that to you. But just to say, this isn't just today, we're going to go ahead next week. That website will be there for the rest of the year now. So if you come today and you thought, I'm not ready for this gift day, no pressure. You know, we're going to go again in October, but you can give in July or August, whatever suits you. That, that page, that gift, day, uh, gift page will be up there for the rest of the year with all the details on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Come on, let's stand together. I love this team. It's great to have such good stewards. Come on, church, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, yet for our sakes, he became poor, so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. I invite you now to, if you're a follower of Jesus, to come forward now. We're breaking bread. I think it's so appropriate on a giving Sunday. We're saying, Jesus, you're our bread of life. You're our daily bread. I'm trusting you first. You're my provision for everything in life. Not just forgiveness of my sins and transformation. That is remarkable. But for everything that I need in life. We're saying, Lord, you're my drink. You're my living water. You're the one that's promised I'll never be thirsty again. So we come to you. We give you our lives. We can't repay you. This is not contract. It's a deep, eternal covenant love and grace that's poured over our lives. So we're going to receive and eat and drink from you this morning, knowing you're present with us, knowing you're walking with us as we move forward, and trusting that your kingdom may spread and grow through us. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, come and give your life to Jesus. Come and chat with one of us near the communion table. We'd love to pray with you and lead you to Jesus for the first time. So let's just... Uh, 
begin to come to the front, take communion, worship the Lord before we uh, are dismissed to pray with one another, go have coffee, get kids, that kind of stuff. If you want to give during this, as Stu said, you're so welcome to.